Hi everyone, this is Brett the Hitman Hart, two-time WB Hall of Famer, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And you're listening to Perched on the Top Rope with the Perch correspondent, Justin Largito. And I don't I don't know. I don't know this kid. I mean, he needs to stay home for Christ's sakes. He's kind of a mark, if I'm being honest. And then uh you have your uh perched gamings, Alex Todd. The he himself the adorable one. Kind kind of sounds like a knockoff gorgeous George to me, but that's my opinion. And I have some breaking news this week. I really, you know, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I really don't like that Bill Goldberg fellow. Uh but there's this other guy now. His name is is, is Dull J. I don't think he's Jeff Jarrett. Um Jesse James or Brian James or whatever it is. He's some kind of dog. What the road dog with two G's? I think that's I think that's what it is. But he called me a sports entertainer, and I am not no Chris Jericho. I respect the hell out of Chris Jericho. Don't get me wrong. He trained with my my father Stu. I, I'm not I'm not a sports entertainer. I, I don't I shouldn't be called that by a guy who made a career uh, pointing at his crotch during the Attitude Era. So fuck Road Dog. The following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. Ladies and gentlemen, that is how we are starting tonight's episode of Perched on the Top Rope. This week, it is just Alex Todd, the adorable one, and the Perch correspondent, the wrestling knowledge encyclopedia, Justin Largertoe. And yes, that was us taking shots at bro doc Jesse James, as he earlier this week said that he is apparently better than Bret Hart as an overall wrestler, sports entertainer, whatever. Good luck to you on that, Road Dog. But we're here to talk about more important things. And honestly, I'm going to cut the shit for a second. We're not going to be professional about this. We never really are. What the fuck was that money in the bank cash in this week? Yeah, bro. It's been a few fucking months since I buried something WB's done. And I think it's really come time due for it. Let's do it. WWE is in the hot seat this week, ladies okay. and gentlemen. Right. So I'm going to be honest. I was actually at work during this whole fucking segment i literally left my house to go to work right after uh, i believe it was nikki won the 24 7 title which we'll get to later so i missed all this segment until the next day i was just hearing it from you guys what had happened yeah we we get to the second time of the night seth rollins is doing the united states open challenge after it got ruined by the oc and the judgment day and everybody else earlier on in the night and Bobby Lashley decides after attacking Mustafa Ali backstage or Mustafa Ali, my apologies, uh, that he's going to accept the open challenge because he said Brock wasn't the only one that cost him the U.S. title. Seth Rollins also was. Well, yeah, that's how that works when someone loses a title. The person you lost it to is responsible. Good job, Bobby. Wonderful. Proud of you. So Bobby Lashley comes out and basically has no intention on actually competing in the match. Absolutely obliterates Seth Rollins. Clearly they're in the middle of turning Lashley heel again, which just for me, hope I hope that just means that we're getting closer and closer to a reuniting of the hurt business. That's the uh, only, only thing that can come out of that for me right now, because Lashley was getting over as a face. 
But point being, he absolutely flattens Seth Rollins, and then friggin' Austin Theory's theme song plays. And so at first, and I sent you a meme about this, Justin. Like everybody else, I thought, well, the match never really started with Lashley, and so I figured Austin Theory is just taking the spot, and he's taking the open challenge. Which would have made sense, by the which, way. Which would have made sense, but no, th- this, this fucking dipshit decided he was cashing in money in the bank on the United States Championship. Hear me out. I'm not against the idea of money in the bank being cashed in on a secondary title, but if he was going to do that, it should have been on a secondary title that he hadn't held yet and that he hadn't literally been given the opportunity that night to have that title match anyway. Like if, if he had done it on SmackDown and it was against Gunther and then won maybe that way, that'd even be a little cooler, but they chose a title that he's already gone for. And a title he had expressed no interest in trying to recapture or yeah. you know, fucking cash and money in the bank on. It never came up until last Monday. Right. And also, like, I don't know. He's just not the guy to do it. I feel like if you were going to have somebody cash in on a mid-card title, it should have been like a legend or like someone who's been around the business a lot longer to give that first moment a pop. Not someone like Austin Theory, which I have no problem with Austin Theory. I have, and I'm we're finally burying something that Triple H has done. I have an issue with Triple H's booking of Austin Theory, because say what you want about Vince McMahon, he was booking Theory better than this. Yeah. Uh, theory, I, I assume, is miss, missing Vince McMahon very, very much recently. So, I, w- I wasn't around, like I like I had mentioned, but I'm reading all this in the, our group chat, or I, re- I read you message, your message saying, uh, you know, oh, well, I guess that settles the whole Theory thing. Yeah, that, I said, I guess this takes care of the money in the bank briefcase. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? I mean, I'm assuming you probably just... Like yeah, I'm assuming you probably just thought he, like, cashed in on Roman and lost. Right. And then fucking uh, Roman wasn't on the show where they never advertised him. So I'm like, really? Like, what the fuck is going on? So I go on Twitter, and I'm, like, seeing this. I'm like, okay, Seth came out for his open challenge. Okay, Mustafa Ali was going to accept. Nope, Lashley fucking attacked Mustafa Ali. I'm like... Okay, you know what? That makes sense. Fucking it, after Crown Jewel, when Lashley, you know, kind of put Lesnar in the hurt lock at, after the match, I kind of figured they were going in more of a heel direction with him. So that makes sense. Uh, you know what? Before we even get into that, uh, when the fuck did Seth Rollins turn face? Like, when the fuck did that happen? I'm pretty sure it was literally this past Monday on Raw. But he they've literally been building a feud with him and Mustafa Ali for like a month now. Well, and I'm almost feeling like it's going to be, I think we're also heading in the direction of a fatal four-way match, if we're being completely honest. No, I think Mustafa Ali's out of the fucking picture after all this. Well, he, he might be, he might be dead. He he might not be alive anymore. He, he very well could be, but you know what? He wasn't even the biggest geek in this segment, so you know, maybe there is hope for him. No, not even fucking close. Bro, and the worst part is, okay, 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 so... Man cashes in money in the bank on a secondary title, specifically the two that have the less prestige. So, uh, you know, between the U.S. title and the Intercontinental title. Three, it's a title he's already won. Four, you said he expressed no interest in it. Five, he fucking literally could have just accepted the challenge that night and beaten someone up to the ring. Like, while Bobby Lashley was beating up Mustafa Ali, there he could have just... Do, 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 out to the ring and six he 
lost. He lost a money in the bank cash in match on a mid card title. And you know what? Think about this. Think about it like this. This fucking United States Championship Open Challenge, this segment that they do on Raw here and there, it's been a thing for like seven years with every guy who's held that title. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's been a thing for a long time. Do you think Seth Rollins wouldn't have done another fucking open challenge in like a week or two? No. Instead, this fucking goober, and yes, I'm gonna call him a fucking goober because that's what he is, says, I'm gonna cash it on Seth Rollins. I'm gonna cash it on the US title. Why are you cashing in on the US title? Why the fuck do you feel the need to cash in on the U.S. title right now? Because Seth Rollins beat you a week ago on Raw? Who gives a fuck? Seth Rollins beats everyone. And literally, if you're going to cash in on a mid-card title, it should have been the Intercontinental Championship. Aside from the world title, that's the closest thing to a world championship in that company. Yeah, but here you go. Austin Fury coming out there all fucking confident. Oh, I beat Shelton Benjamin tonight. The guy who's been on main event for like two fucking years. <laughs> Barely, barely beat Shelton Benjamin, by the way. It's just, what the fuck? And then that's not even enough. It's not even enough to fucking have him come out there, waste his fucking cash in and lose. They got to have Lashley fucking kill him on the outside beforehand. Right, because at least, like, the fans might have popped a little bit if you had him win after that, because it it sets up the doubt that every money in the bank cash in has that, oh, they, they might not win this, and then they get the pop when they do. But no, it literally was that and then a fucking curb stomp. One, two, three. Dude, I, this is easily, without a doubt, the worst Triple H booked segment since he took over. I'm wondering if Triple H went home early. <laughs> uh, honestly. Triple H I, went I, home I, and he was I, like, hey, Bruce, can you run the show? And Vince, right, I, Vince is texting him and he's like, do it, do it, do it, do it. I th- I think Triple H left after the fucking twenty four seven title match, and then it was all Bruce Pritchard after that. <laughs> Either that or Stephanie was still there, and she called her dad up and was like, "Uh, Daddy, what do I do?" Oh I'm just God. kidding. Stephanie is very competent, and so was Triple H. But like this, this segment, was, and, and you know, here's the thing: there's always going to be one. You were never going to get full on one hundred percent gold from every booker of a wrestling show. It was bound to happen. I just think that maybe a money in the bank cash in spot wasn't the place to have the worst cash in in history now now here's the thing i was thinking about earlier do you remember when the miz had the money in the bank that he won from otis about two years ago now at this point yeah okay do you remember miz cashed in into that tlc match with drew mcintyre and aj styles and then they gave him the briefcase back like a few weeks later saying, oh, well, it wasn't fair. Yep. You think they'll do that with fucking Austin Fury here? Because he, the guy got fucking his shit kicked by uh, Bobby Lashley. So if they go that direction to put more healed heat on Fury, that is the only way I will accept what happened. It, look, I would accept it if they did it. But I still think this whole fucking segment hurt him. Yeah, no, no, no. They could have. They if they, if that was the whole reason, they should have done the the segment a little bit differently. I'm I'm not super against them giving him the briefcase back because Triple H's booking process behind that would probably be well. He lost it. The fans are going to be happy because they hated when Vince had him over. But then if I give it back to him right after that, it's going to piss them off so much that he gets all this heat back. But they should have done it in a different way, like had him cash in officially and then have Lashley like fucking destroy him and have them get DQ'd 
have 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 there be a DQ finish and then give him the briefcase back. I could even handle that a little more because we've seen in the past where, like for instance, when John Cena cashed in Money in the Bank, Big Show caused a disqualification. That was the end of it. So fans would have thought that was the end of it. And then if they did the booking where they gave it back to him, they'd be like, "Well, this is fucking bullshit because they didn't do it to Cena," and that would get fans up in an uproar. So if if that's the case, well, look, do it. But it, it should have been by the the match should have ended with a disqualification. They didn't give the briefcase back to John Cena because he didn't give a fuck. He, he's like, I'm going to get another title shot anyway. I don't, I don't fuck. Probably care. by the end of the week. He's like, well, whatever. Cool. I'll, I'll get another one next month. Which he did. He he did get another one the next month. And then he got another one the following month. So and another seen, one and another, another one. <laughs> nah, nah. Cena didn't give a shit. But. Oh, like, I lost my title. Here I am smiling the next night. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Bro, to be honest, I just feel bad for the way that Theory has been booked since he came to the main roster as this past heel, as this, like, past pain in the ass, like, goofy goober heel, because, like, I have told you before, I've watched Theory since he was on the indies. That man is one of the best wrestlers on the planet. If you watch some of his matches back from Evolve, he is one of the best wrestlers on the planet, and he has charisma that a lot of other people don't, but they've saddled him with this fucking miz like past heel character and then like it works for the miz because that was his thing he he you know he made that kind of more famous than any other past heel did in my opinion but it's not it for theory like you you should be booking him a different way no you know what man i've honestly i've been enjoying fury's work since he's been on raw if he was still doing the you know the comedy character where he was in the way and he was like a fucking meathead i would and they were trying to push him seriously i wouldn't like accept that but I, I think they've done right by him up until, let's say, you know, winning money in the bank and then kind of fucking going on this losing streak, which everyone who wins money in the bank goes on a fucking losing streak. That might be why the fucking women cash theirs in within 24 hours. They don't fucking lose nonstop. You know, honestly, not not a bad thought process if you think about it, though. Right. <laughs> it's like it happens to everyone we see it every fucking year the only person who probably didn't get that treatment was biggie if uh, you know. i would i would say braun Strowman didn't get it either it, yeah but, but he also he also didn't hold on he didn't hold on to the briefcase very long he had it for like i think what maybe like two months well you know what his fucking cash in sucked too so yeah well and the reason that he didn't really go on too big of a losing streak is because they were basically just building up the reuniting of the shield at that point right so they didn't they they were doing more promo heavy segments than they were wrestling at that at that point in time. And Strowman was in the middle of turning heel. So like it just wasn't gonna happen. But I really think him and Big E are like the two exceptions. Even going back to your original winners, guys like Edge and RVD lost quite a bit after they won too. Right. And I don't know if it's the thought process in this company of, oh, we're we're just gonna put the fucking world title on him anyway. So we can have him lose. It's no problem. You know, they're they're gonna they're gonna build themselves up either way. I think the theory behind that, no pun intended, is supposed to be that well, if they're losing, the fans are are aren't gonna have them in the back of their mind as somebody that could win that night. But the problem with that is that works well on the night of a cash in, but it doesn't work well if that's what you're continually doing with their booking for months and months before they cash in. Like it, it made sense on like the specific pay-per-view of New Year's Resolution, uh or Revolution two thousand six, when they had Edge lose to rick flair earlier in the night because then people didn't think about him that and the fact that edge held on to the briefcase for almost a fucking year right and we didn't know the we didn't know like the rules behind money in the bank at that time because right yeah and we thought it was like 
we we thought it was similar to the um the poker chip in AEW where you kind of had to like say when you were going to have that the match or option C with um the X division title like I would have thought it would have been like that even though option C didn't exist but you know what I mean you you, you get the principle behind yeah what I'm like saying. you would have had to give him some kind of notice it can't just be like on the spot right and then when Edge was like here I'm doing it now everybody was like what the fuck game change. Yeah, I- I remember I was in the fucking crowd when that happened. <laughs> oh, you were there at that show? Yeah, it was in Albany, New York. Bro, tell me that tell me that crowd pop had to have been insane. Uh, it was let me tell you something. I remember my fucking eight-year-old self there. No one fucking liked John Cena in the building that night, so everyone was ecstatic. But here I am, my fucking John Cena wristbands and shirt and everything. Bro, the reason that that specific cash-in made history so famous is because you had you had two guys that everybody detested at the time. Everyone hated Cena because, well, he was John Cena and he was winning every match. And everyone hated Edge because of what happened with Matt Hardy. And they right. still, like, Edge was the most hated man in the company probably about six months earlier than that by the fans everybody hated him he was getting death threats and they still wanted him to beat john cena and that just shows how good edge is you know right and i'll i'll go down saying this um you know the seth rollins cash in was incredible one of the best and i'm not saying this because edge is my favorite but i just think because of the circumstances behind it nothing beats that first original cash in yeah like, like, like i said it, it was the unknown going into it, and it was because of that much more of a surprise when it actually happened. Right, and now we don't have that anymore because they they do this thing now when Money in the Bank winners win where they'll tease a cash-in in the middle of a match on a pay-per-view, but then it never happens. Like, it, it it's best when you forget about the Money in the Bank person. Like, they're still winning here and there, but they're doing their own mid-card thing. Like, they're winning mid-card feuds. And then out of nowhere, they show up. But instead... You you built uh, they actually built up theory to what could have been a really cool cash in because every time he showed up during or at the end of a match the fans have actually been popping whether he showed up in NXT whether he showed up at the end of you know the Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar match fans actually popped for it but you did that you did that fake tease so many times yeah. during big matches that and, it fucking wore it out you know like while we're on the topic of, of this theory cash in. I want to point out, I did see a story before we went on the air tonight. So, I don't know how reliable it is. WrestleVotes was the one reporting it. You know Roman Reigns was going to lose one of his fucking titles a few months ago? To who? Remember Clash at the Castle? Yeah. Was he originally going to lose to Drew? Listen to this. So, I guess the plan, at some point, was that they were going to do Drew and Roman for both titles... Fury was going to come down, which he did, and got knocked out by Tyson Fury. Or Tyson Fury, not Tyson Fury, Jesus. Same thing. Um, (laughs) He was going to come down, cash in, make it clear that he only was cashing in on one title. And then it would have been a triple threat, and then Drew would have pinned Fury to win the title. Yes, Austin Fury still would have lost, by the way. That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard of. Which is probably why they didn't do it. Because because it would have made sense. If he's already going to throw himself in the match and he has a chance of winning, you're going to still do the same fucking thing you would do to win. So why not walk out with two titles instead of one? 
hey, I'm coming here. I, like, you guys are all beaten down, and there's definitely a 100% chance I'm going to win, but I only want one of these titles. Look, he just values one title more over the other. It would have... <laughs> I got I got nothing. Look, but yeah, I, uh, I, I understand where the idea would have came from. You would have split the titles. Drew would have had his moment. You would have ended the whole Fury Cashin thing, which, again, he still would have fucking lost, but, you know... I really but, think the only way to split up the titles is using the Royal Rumble. Because because you can at least, like, if somebody won the Royal Rumble, say say Cody Rhodes comes back and he wins the Royal Rumble, Roman could get some healed heat by saying, technically, if you look at the rules of WWE and how the Royal Rumble works, you get a shot at a title at WrestleMania, a world title. You can, you can at least, there's sense you can make there. There's logic you can throw into there. The money in the bank contract i mean you could maybe do it but he would have to cash in win both of them that night and then you'd have to go back to the rules like the next day on raw right and you know like there there are many ways they could split up these titles you could do a ladder match and you know one yeah each true. guys grab one of the titles down you could go wrestlemania 2000 style do a two out of three falls for one title or no i'm sorry uh do two falls one falls for the first title one falls for the second title uh like they did with jericho benoit and angle yeah, but if you're Roman, why do you agree to that? I don't. I don't fucking know, man. I'm just. I'm just trying to make some kind of sense. So we can split these titles up. <laughs> For me, the Rumble makes the most sense too, because then that makes that story going into WrestleMania. I. I don't know. Sami Zayn doesn't read the fucking contract when Roman signs. I don't know. But anyway, uh, opinion. Do you think this is the worst cash in ever? Oof. Um. I. I don't, and I'll say why. Uh, when you're when you're it's the second worst cash in ever who would you say is the first damian sandow you see i wouldn't say damian sandow i think they fucking boned him and he didn't even have a chance but you know what at least damian sandow had a competitive 15 minute match with john cena let me guess hold on i think i know where you're going with this baron corbin absolutely they made that man look like the fucking goober of all goobers I I could see where you could argue that. I just he, personally, I personally, for me, think Damian Sandow got fucked over more than any Money in the Bank winner of all time, though. And I think his cash-in had to do with that. Corbin got pinned by fucking Jinder Mahal. Let me repeat that. And I don't, I don't, I know when he, this was when he was having his big fucking run as WWE champion. I like to fucking forget about it because I didn't fucking like it. Oh, I fucking loved it. We'll get into that another time. Oh, please, because I will fucking, oh man, I don't want to get into it, but... Fucking pinned by Jinder Mahal, rolled up in fucking six seconds because he got distracted by John Cena on the apron. Ooh, John Cena! He's not in the ring. He's going to cost me the match. Oh, my God. Okay, but hear me out. Where's Damian Sandow's career now? Okay, listen. Again, he had a competitive 15-minute match with John Cena. It's not. It's not his fault that they couldn't follow up on that. I'm just saying, all the rest of them have either become legends or are still in the company. Yeah, where's Jinder Mahal? I, he's not even on TV anymore. Listen, don't hinder Jinder. Yeah. You want to know why I liked his WWE title ring? Because it pissed people off, which meant he was doing his job right. Fuck you. And you say that because I am correct. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of liked, like me personally, I liked the gender run. 
so it didn't bother me as much because I didn't want Jinder to lose the title yet. But however, there was two things that went into that fucking cash in too. Is is one, Jinder Mahal was having a dominant reign. Actually, two, two. They were in the middle of ruining Baron Corbin's lone wolf character. And three, the reason that he got shafted was also because of his attitude backstage. So that was on him. Wow. That was that was during a time where Baron Corbin had a lot of backstage heat with management because he was making disrespectful remarks towards people. Oh, that's what it was? I thought it was because he had bad tattoos and a frowny face stomach. No, 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 no. No, we don't talk about that. That's why he wrestles with a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> but... But no, no, that was during the time frame where he was like, there was a couple promo classes where he was just being obnoxious during it when people were actually trying to practice in the performance center. There was, um, there was like some remarks I remember he made on Twitter. I almost want to say it might have been towards, it might have been towards Mickey James. No, because I don't think she was back yet. There was a female talent that he made some like annoying disrespectful remarks towards and i know that was part of the issue too it might have been it might have been alexa bliss i don't remember not i mean not important at the moment but i miss, I miss lone wolf baron corbin by the way i love when he fucking uh threw apollo cruz out of the ring on that one nxt takeover and told him to go back to ring of honor yeah he never been in ring of honor ever in his career <laughs> Nope, never once, dude. But Lone Wolf Baron Corbin was great. And like I I hate that they fucking changed that character because him winning the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, he had so much potential from that point on. And it looked like that might be the first Andre the Giant Battle Royal winner that they actually like did right. Yeah. I look at it with Baron Corbin. As soon as he cut his hair, I stopped caring. Wow. I'm just being honest. That's fair. He had no character after that. Um, but no, for me, it's worst cash in Damien Sandow, second worst theory, third worst Baron Corbin. This, this Austin theory thing was dog shit and hopefully Triple H has some way of fixing it. But if not, this definitely goes down as the first biggest blip creatively since he's taken over. And, you know, like just one more thing to add on. We we all knew he wasn't going to fucking beat Roman if he cashed in on him. Absolutely like, we, not. It was either no. it was either he was going to either the time was going to run out or he was going to cash in on somebody after they beat Roman. Right. Like give him the fucking competitive match and fucking put him over in a loss. You know you get you get what I'm saying? It's like Right. Not every money in the bank loser has to look like a chump when losing. You can you can build something in defeat. If you give him a really long competitive match and then he still loses, he wins something in defeat. You could even possibly turn him babyface and you could propel him from there. Not every time someone loses the cash in, do they have to lose look like a fucking chump? Look at John Cena. But granted, he was already a made man at that point. But like, if you could do right. it with Cena, you can do it with anybody. Yep. But moving on, that wasn't the only thing that we saw on Monday Night Raw. We also saw, finally, and the end of the 24-7 title, we saw the 24-7 title change hands from Dana Brooke to Nikki Cross. And then afterwards, Nikki pulled a Alendra Blazer, well, tried to at least, and she 
attempted to throw the 24-7 title in the garbage while passing the trash can, completely missed. You heard the metal hit the floor, and for me, it was even funnier and more disrespectful. And I could not think of a better way for the 24-7 title to fucking be gone, finally. And that's why you should pre-tape your segments, just in case shit like that happens. Yeah, but this one was kind of funnier, and I think the fans actually kind of digged it. They're like, I saw a couple of memes that were like, even the fucking trash can doesn't give a shit about the 24-7 title. Right, what a, what a fucking way for it to go out. Just, you know, a fucking botch going into the trash can. It's fucking... <laughs> couldn't have couldn't have been, a, been a better farewell. And and this was the first time this fucking title was even acknowledged on WBTV in, like, what, three months? Yeah. Since Slim? It's not a coincidence that R-Truth's out with injury and suddenly his title's gone. Oh, yeah, we, we can't do the cool stuff with it, so fuck that title. That's <laughs> pretty much what happened. Yeah, they're like, we don't even have a chance of our truth making it good again, so fucking... You know what? Bye. I do kind of regret, I do kind of regret. I would have loved to see Sami Zayn get a run with the 24-7 title as the honorary use. Bro, he would have made it seem like it was the biggest title on the planet. Yes, he, if that's what I'm saying. He would have acted like it's the greatest fucking accomplishment in the world, just like shoving it in Jey Uso's face every week. And then when the bloodline fucking turns on him, like the end of the 24-7 title is just Roman snapping it in half. Dude, that could have been such a cool visual. Right. That would have been an actual like respectful way of getting rid of it, too. And you know what? You could have did you could have had comedy with it too. You could have had Sami Zayn come out come back like a month or two later and be like, you know, it really hurt me when Roman just turned on me like a, like and I'm his family and it hurt. Yeah, and then you have him my title. You have him trying like you know how the hardcore title was basically WWE title but broken up into pieces. And instead you have Sami Zayn come back out with the the 247 title over his shoulder and it's fucking scotch taped together with just little strips of scotch tape on the front. Yeah, I I honestly I think that was a missed opportunity they could have done. Bro, that would have been an actual cool way to get rid of it too. Oh my god, could you imagine him showing up and like putting the title in Jay's face and be like, "Jay, I understand that you are only able to achieve tag team success, but you're looking at a major singles champion right now, and you you just need to get on my level and be a little more oozy." Can we please bring back the twenty four seven title? <laughs> <laughs> and things that I never thought Justin would say for a hundred. You know we could still do it. Just have Sami Zayn like pull it out of the trash can or something. <laughs> he can't. It didn't even make it. Well, p- pick it up off the floor. I don't know. The janitor's probably swept it up and threw it in the recycling bin at this point. Right. <laughs> Lord, missed opportunities. But speaking of women, since Nikki Cross was the last champion, speaking of women, this is a very woman pro wrestler heavy show tonight because that wasn't the only big thing that happened on monday night raw including when we saw the return of the hbic mia yim return to join the oc it's like we all saw this coming but it was still really cool i hate dude the fans of wilkes bar were awful during monday oh, night they, raw. they fucking sucked i i brought it up because they weren't popping for anything on this fucking show right and granted granted the end the end segment of the show was shit so i wouldn't blame them for not responding to that but there were some good segments in the show and they just fucking nothing and, and you know i know mia yim when she was around the first time she really didn't have a run on the main roster she you know she was reckoning the whole time yeah but she was over in nxt right but I don't know. It, it definitely seemed like just not a lot of people knew who she was. And I think 
I think Emma had the same issue when she came back on SmackDown a few weeks ago. Well, in Emma's in in, in Emma's defense, she also hasn't been in the company for five years. Right, five years is a long fucking time, and people forget a lot in five years. Five years is a lot of, a lot more time in pro wrestling too, because pro wrestling is a very um, attention span driven product where like you're paying attention to what's going on then and now. And sometimes it can affect your ability to remember things that happened years ago. I, I catch myself all the time. Sometimes I'll be like, I'll see a segment from four or five years ago that I know I watched on TV back then because I know I was continually watching the product. But I'll sit there and watch it five years later and I'll be like, why Why is this just blacked out in my memory? Well, so, I, have, I have no recollection of fucking Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah holding the women's tag titles. And that was fucking two months ago. Yeah, but there's a difference. You chose to black that out. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's a lie. I know you know about it because you bitched about it on the show almost every week. Well, I'm just saying. I completely forgot about it. Guys, Justin's really trying hard to repress some bad memories. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, like I said, pro wrestling's a very attention-driven, attention-span-driven product. And in Emma's case, she hasn't been in the company in a very long time, so people who don't watch WWE kind of really haven't had a thought about her in the back of their head. And the only other people, a lot of those people that watch WWE now, if they watch any other product, it's AEW. It's not Impact. It's not NWA. It's not, well, I would say Ring of Honor, but that's the same thing now. But you know what I mean? It's not like the smaller shows. If they watch any other big product, if you're a WWE fan, it's AEW. And she hasn't really, she's had like one or two matches there. So not everybody would have had her in the back of her mind. Um, same thing goes with Mia Yim. Yo, we, we might be a very Impact Wrestling heavy product on our podcast, but not everybody watches impact anymore and that's where she's been since she left so i i I understand people not knowing who she is but nxt fans do better you know who she is but even still when you think about it she really mia yim has not been a presence on WBTV since like mid 2020 it's been over two years yeah and people really haven't had an interest in her character since even before that when she was in nxt right so, I mean, I get it. It sucks, though, because she's a great fit for the OC. I'm all for it. I think she, as the woman in the OC, is probably the best choice. I said this last week. The only other person I would have said would have been maybe Shayna Baszler if she wasn't on this heel run. But I think I think the OC is in for some cool times now. I think there's going to be some cool segments. Holy shit, they need to start beating some people, though. They've had three matches together since the Good Brothers have been back, and they've lost all three of them. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows as a tag team have won what one match since they've been back one yeah they beat alpha academy right yep yeah that's it they're becoming the new fucking judgment day the oc bro like the whole point in bringing gals and anderson back was that it was going to be different this time and they're like they're a couple of triple h's boys too like they didn't come up in the nxt system but just based off of the respect that the bullet club has always shown the click they've been triple h's boys so like what the fuck are we doing here I think I think we fall into the fact that again that the Usos still have the tag team title, so it's hard to do anything with any other tag team that's not in a tag team title match. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I hope the booking improves for this fucking OC faction. Well, and also, can I like I've said this not on the show, but I've said this since day one. I think the OC is a stupid fucking name for the stable. It is a stupid fucking name. Every time I think of it, I think of the fucking TV show. Right. They they were fine when they were the club. I, I didn't mind that. I had no issue with them being the club. The OC is fucking stupid, though, because the idea is that when they say the OC, it was the original club. 
One, no, it's not. The original club is... Just any... in this company, there's been like four incarnations of the fucking club. Right. If, if anything, if anything, if you were to make a, a faction that's the OC of the Bullet Club on the main roster, you should really be doing Balor, Allos, uh, Gallows, and Anderson, not AJ. AJ was like the third leader of the Bullet Club. Gallows wasn't even in the original Bullet Club. Right. But I can at least let that pass because he came in shortly after. But if anything, the OC would really be Finn, Carl, and Luke. So, one, AJ's not part of the OC. And two, it's not the OC anymore because fucking Mia Yim's in it. You know what I think would have been funny, actually, now that I think about it? So, obviously, this return, you see fucking Mia Yim. We don't know it's Mia Yim yet. All we see is somebody with blue hair wearing a hood. Wow, I wonder who could that could be. Wouldn't have been some shit if there was, like, a massive pop because everyone thought it was Sasha Banks. That would have been so fucking funny. <laughs> and then they realized it was just like, oh, oh, that's Mia Yim. <laughs> Wah. I, I just thought about that in my head and I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> Sounds like Wilkes Bear might have popped more if it was Sasha Banks at this point. Right. <laughs> but like, I, I like them as a group. I like the combination of the people. Just the name is stupid and fucking have them win some matches. Whole point of this again is to bring out Gallows and Anderson back and do it differently this time. And also, AJ Styles' booking has been bullshit since WrestleMania too. So you're not doing any of them any favors. I, I I I agree with bringing the stable back. I agree with BAM joining, but I really don't know if Judgment Day was the correct feud for them. Because Carl you Anderson. need to you need to build both up. Carl Anderson's like, I could have fucking worked New Japan on Saturday. Instead, I'm losing in Saudi Arabia to the old losers. Fucking right. I just and it's like a double-edged sword because I also want to see Judgment Day doing better I'm actually starting to enjoy them believe it or not this is like two weeks in a row now that their segments haven't been absolute dog shit on their end so I'm actually starting to not hate the Judgment Day as much but all of that ick is transferring to the OC now right you know I saw WB Shop released uh, I'm Your Mommy shirts for Rhea like the old Eddie Guerrero, I'm your poppy shirt. Mm-hmm. And I think those shits are going to sell. Oh, absolutely. I'll buy one. <laughs> Dude, and here, here's the other thing. As a baby face, fucking take the microphone away from AJ Styles. Yeah, man. It, AJ is only know. good on the mic as a heel. Yeah, it doesn't work with him as a face for some reason. Well, I mean, prior to his time in WWE, him with the microphone in his hand was never good to begin with. AJ Styles up until his WWE run was never good on the mic. Best wrestler on the planet, worst on the mic. But he, like, can't talk as a baby face. Really, just to give the microphone to Carl Anderson every time you go into the ring. Please and thank you. Well, my name is AJ Styles, and I held the WWE title twice. And SmackDown Live is the house that AJ Styles built. Wow. Why are you so good at impersonations? You even got, like, the twang at the end, the... AJ Styles, Bill. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Bill. Bill. <laughs> oh, God. Lee would be cracking up if he were here right now. So, end the feud. Do one more blow-off match. Have the OC win this time because Judgment Day probably wouldn't really lose anything in losing the last match because they won, like, three of them. Do one last match. Have the OC win. Move on. Honestly, my opinion, send the OC to SmackDown. Have them feud with the, bullet, with the bloodline. 
Or you could do a OC and Legato too. They're on that show too. I'm okay with that too. You could get some good feuds out of that. Judgment Day, they can stay on Raw for now because that's not a big deal. And also them going to SmackDown would defeat the purpose of Ray going to SmackDown. So keep them on Raw. Move the OC to, to SmackDown. That way you can have the Usos feud with Gallows and Anderson. You can have AJ Styles feud with Roman. Even if they don't win, you can get you can get really good matches out of them. And you know what? This would make sense. They could have done this if they had done the draft that they've been telling us that they were going to do in August and then September and then October and then November, which clearly isn't happening now. No, they wanted to wait until after WrestleMania, so it's going to be about. You know, the whole point of a draft back in the day when they did it was that the draft was around the same time every year. Now we just get, hey, there's going to be, you'll get like on the news feed uh, from uh, a website from a dirt sheet, you'll just say, oh, hey, there's a there's a draft in a month randomly. And it would be like fucking February. And look, you know what? It actually would have been fine to do the fucking draft this year because the last few years when they did it in October, the say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill big issue that happened with it was you have all these guys moving brands and then fucking four weeks later they're like oh i'm gonna represent raw we're gonna take down smackdown and they were fucking smackdown guys four weeks ago that was my favorite part though when they used to do the the i i loved when they did the drafts of the vault right before survivor series but it looked stupid Yeah, but it also like if back then they had they had world title matches on the card too. So you would always be like, well, is the world championship going to this brand or that brand? It was a lot easier to like that back in the day when it was the WWE title and the world title when we didn't have a a colored championship. Listen, back in the day, yes. But when they were doing it for the last three years and you're doing the draft and fucking Team Raw this month was Team SmackDown five weeks ago. (laughs) The whole entire team wasn't didn't that happen in one of the matches? Wasn't the um, it was was the whole Yeah, like wasn't the what team was it? It was, it was, Raw. It was, Raw. It was Team Raw, wasn't only, it? I think the only person that was like on Raw was I want to say it was Ricochet. Don't quote me on that. I'd have to look at it, but I think it was Ricochet was the only guy who was still on Raw. Yeah, because wasn't the team? Was that the year when it was AJ Styles, Sheamus, Braun, AJ Sheamus. Braun, Sheamus, um, Keith Lee? Oh no, Keith Lee would have been no, one of the Keith exceptions. Lee, that's right, because yeah. because he, he came up from NXT. Yeah. Oh yeah, because he came up right before that, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. It was, so it was like it was Keith Lee, AJ Styles, Sheamus, Matt Riddle, and was Ricochet the final man? Okay. Nope. So it was uh, AJ, Keith Lee, Sheamus, Strowman, and Riddle. Strowman and Riddle. Yeah. And literally, Keith Lee was the only person on that team who, like, a month earlier wasn't on SmackDown. Right, because Riddle just came up from NXT, like, two months before that, and he came to SmackDown first. Yep. And AJ, then Sheamus, AJ, and... Yeah, wait, no. No, no, yeah. no, because Riddle, when he first came up, he came up to SmackDown. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah so so Riddle, Sheamus, and AJ, and Braun. Yeah. Braun, all four, four of them. Five. Yeah. Four out of five. Four out of five of them had just come from SmackDown. Yep. Lord. Lord all fucking mighty. That. that makes a whole lot of fucking sense. 
Oh, fuck the blue brand. Braun! Braun, weren't you uh, the blue brand's universal champion like three months ago? I got an app on my phone. It's called Places I Pooped. <laughs> so please tell me that's not a real thing that he has. That is a real thing that he has. <laughs> I fucking hate Braun Strowman outside of WWE. <laughs> I forgot who told this story. It was on an episode of Ride Along. Oh my god! I will I, for some like I'll always love his his WWE character because I I think it's for the most part been booked really well. But I can't stand that man outside of the company. <laughs> I got an app called Blazes Up. Oh, I need I need a minute. <laughs> You're good, brother. You're good. Lord, guys, Justin is currently dying laughing up camera right now. Oh God, oh, this is this is rough. Yeah, get some fluids in you, brother. Get some fluids. He's got himself muted. Holy shit, oh, man, Braun Strowman, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, no, it's it, it's really just never made sense to me. But back to my point, we're getting back to me again. Move the OC over to blue to the blue brand. Have them feud with the judge uh, with the bloodline and get them away from Judgment Day for right now, so they can each grow. We're going to continue talking about the women on this sh- show because the next thing that we have announced on Monday Night Raw was the women's war game match. Justin, can you talk to us a little bit about it? Okay, yeah. So I said a few months ago when they first had announced the uh, war games coming to Survivor Series, I figured it was going to be damage control against, you know, the team of Bianca, Alexa, Asuka, whoever to fill out the fill out the field. And that is what we're getting. Uh, one more thing. Fuck Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, because they didn't even pop for the war games. How do you not fucking pop for war games? Yeah, that's fucked. Yeah. So at the moment, uh, it is going to be five on five, which I think is the best route to go with this. Uh, you have Bianca, Asuka, Alexa, and then two other members who are to, to be determined. Against Damage Control, Bailey, Dakota Kai, Io Sky, and Nikki Cross. And there is one more person to fill out that field. Uh, you know, I could see them adding Rhea and Mia Yim to this match because of the stare down Rhea and Bianca had, like, right before the segment. And I would imagine Candice LeRae would probably go to the face team as well. But you know, the entire time, everybody's just going to think that it's Sasha and Bailey, right? Oh, I mean, not Sasha and Bailey, Sasha and Naomi. Well, you know what? They could do the if Sasha is ready to come back, they could do Sasha. I mean, they're in Boston. It, it would make sense. Yeah, but... and honestly, from what I've heard, which is really shocking to me, it seems like Sasha's more ready to come back than Naomi is. Yeah, that is very weird. Considering that the whole thing at the beginning was supposedly Naomi kind of following Sasha's lead, and the fact that Naomi has so much family in the company, it's if that is true, that's that's interesting. There's got to be more behind it. He's a part of the bloodline. I mean, shit, how much better can it get? Bro, and that's the other thing, too. This happened at such a shitty time, too, because I wanted so bad before. Listen, we, I saw this in a meme the other day, and and it's it's true. We are closer to the end of this bloodline run than we are to the beginning of it. That much is clear. Like, yes, Roman might still hold the title for a while, but we're closer to that. We're for sure closer to the end of his reign than we are to the beginning of it especially if Triple H already has planned out who he's going to lose to. That was something that needed to happen. Naomi needed to be in the bloodline before the end of it, so I'm hoping to God she comes back soon and that they can add her to the bloodline. 
Again, it would make sense if the OC go to SmackDown and they feud with the Bloodline. Bloodline's got a woman wrestler to back them up. Right. But we'll, well, we'll see. Uh, and you know what? I didn't even bring up Becky, who could possibly take up one of these slots. And if it is, she's going to be on the face side. I mean, there's no question about that. Yeah, but weren't you the one that brought up to you were like, I wonder if she's going to join the heels because they never actually showed her getting beaten down. No, I said that about Candice LeRae. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. you were talking about Becky. My bad. No, because because Becky they attacked literally right right after she got injured. Oh yeah, yeah, they showed her hitting her with the chair. Yeah. Yeah. But Candace, they literally just kind of threw the camera to the ground and we didn't see anything after that. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know what happens behind closed doors. So I'm I'm excited for the women's war game match. I really hope there's a men's war games match too. They did say oh, there, that there was they said there was gonna be two two there's, matches, there's right? Two. Yeah, men and men and women. Well, it also it doesn't really make sense in my opinion to do a war games pay per view unless you're doing two, because you want to you want to get the most you can out of having two rings in the arena. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get the bloodline against some other team. Yo, so. speaking of war games, it's also I really like when they do war games pay per views because it's also kind of cool to see like regular matches happen between two rings because there's been a couple times with the NXT war games pay per views where like. The regular guys will be having one-on-one matches that aren't in the War Games cage. And you'll see sometimes they'll kind of go into the other arena, too. Right. And they did it with uh, uh, Matt Riddle and Cassius Ono. That's a match you forgot right. happened back in NXT, isn't it? I, I did forget about that up until you mentioned it. Yeah, everybody it usually forgets. Like six seconds or whatever it was. Everybody usually forgets about Cassius Ono until Cassius Ono comes back. Well, yeah, well, they didn't actually wrestle in the other ring, but he, like, attacked Riddle before the match, and they they went back and forth between the rings, and then Riddle destroyed him in, like, six seconds. Right. So that's that's another cool thing about that. And then the last bit of women's wrestling we're going to talk about before we move on to some other WWE AEW related things. The match I've been waiting for one of the best promos I've ever seen in AEW. And in my opinion, the best women's promo segment I've ever seen in professional wrestling. Soraya versus Britt Breaker at full gear. They had a, a segment on AEW on Wednesday night saying Soraya said she has been cleared by all doctors and that she is ready to wrestle. Basically one off saying that Britt Baker is an ungrateful bitch and that Soraya lived and died for this, you know, this sport, which is true. You know, a lot of guys say this, but like she actually kind of lived that life. She went public about her drug addiction that she fought in front of everybody. She went public about being humiliated in front of millions and millions of people. I think y'all know what we're talking about. Hint, hint, wink, wink, Pornhub. But like she took that and she made that one hell of a fucking segment, man. Yeah, you know, I I was there at Dynamite in Boston and definitely got a good reaction from the crowd. Here's the thing that confuses me. This whole, you know, Soraya being cleared thing. Didn't they say a few weeks ago she was like 100% cleared? She said that. So they had the sit down segment with Renee Paquette that Britt Baker no showed. And at yeah, the end... I remember that. But then I remember a few weeks like before that they said, oh, yeah, Saray is cleared to wrestle. She's good. I don't remember them saying it on TV. I know it was in the I know it was in the dirt sheets, but I know that the, during that sit down segment, when Renee Paquette asked her, she said there was one more doctor that she wanted to consult first. Obviously, it was Britt Baker. Uh, yeah, that was that but, was obvious, dude. 
WWE missed out when they had her before she got injured because they always gave her really shitty promo segments. Always. Like she was, it was, hey, I'm British and I want to win that title. Punch. Right. Her, her, her segment on AEW was beautiful. I never really knew she had mic skills like that because she was never allowed to show them. And to to kind of demonstrate Paige's uh, mic skills and promo ability, I just want to, you know, give my own little critique. <clears throat> Paige here, think again. Yeah. Yep. Basically. That's about how it was. Yeah, that's about how it was. And it's not even her fault. It was, again, that was, that was, that was the life of being a woman's wrestler in a Vince McMahon-led company. But I don't even care if the match is good or shit or whatever. This promo segment was absolutely fucking beautiful. And I'm I'm honestly shocked that WB never like did a just a rumble cameo with Paige in the woman's rumble. Yeah. Like I figured they would have did it this year, to be honest with you. I'm honestly shocked too. But that wasn't the only great segment that we got on AEW. We got a good couple other good segments on AEW. First, I want to start with the John Moxley segment. He didn't come out and do his normal shtick of I'm violent and I'm going to beat the hell out of you. He he didn't come out and basically be Cactus Jack in 2022, which that's my only that's my only critique of him is occasionally it's just that his whole entire promo is just hey, I'm violent. I'm John Moxley. But they they tied in some of his WWE stuff, which you know he doesn't really generally bring up too much in AEW. And they didn't even say it by name. They just talked about how, you know, back in the day when he was first coming in through FCW, he had like that mini feud with William Regal and talked about how William Regal beat the living piss out of him in the first match they had. And then they had that second match where he like tore part of his ear off. And it was really cool that they actually brought that back. And they not only... We're able to give a little throwback to stuff that he had done previous in his career, but they also were able to tie in William Regal's career at the, at the same time, putting him over as the violent wrestler that he was, which we all know, but they don't like no company ever really gives William Regal his due in that sense, in my opinion. Right. But then he, he talks about, he switches in and talks about MJF and he was like, talking about how uh you know he compared to his first and second match with William Regal to the first match he had with MJF and the, now the one that he's going to have with him again basically saying I hope you've learned something in the past two years I'm going to bring the absolute best out of you and I'm going to make this the biggest moment of your career and he's like I want you to be the guy that carries this company at some point and I want you to be the guy that you know is able to carry the company but it's it's not your time and the more that John spoke the more I thought Fuck, and MJF might actually win this match. Oh, I, I, I honestly, man, I'll be very surprised if they do not have MJF win the world title at full gear. I, I think it could be the perfect time, and I think with as much as I bitched about the firm turning on him and how I, I still do think it's a setup. I think there's something behind it. I do think there's something behind it, but you also they complained a lot about AEW's booking but the way they've booked this world title match is actually genius because depending on how the crowd really reacts and what they want to do based off of it they've put themselves in a position where they can go either way yeah you, I, I think full gear it's the, it's time to put the title on MJF I really yeah do. and I think you can put it on him whether you decide that he's actually with the firm still and it was a setup or if he fucking just beats John Moxley fair and square and clean 
It, it is you, you, they booked themselves into a way where they can have him win the world title and you can go either way with his character after this. Well, look, I, I think this is a fucking setup because listen, MJF has been coming out on TV. He's the greatest trick the devil ever pulled, right? Mm-hmm. Think about the greatest trick the devil can pull by ma- making you think the fucking firm is against him. And then at full gear, he fucks you. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And and that's what I'm saying. If he wins it that way, incredible heel move. But if you also have him like put on the best batch of his entire career and win without, you know, the firm comes down, he beats the shit out of them, him and Mox together, and then they continue the match. And he actually beats Mox. You also put him over as a huge baby face at that point because he he brought it to the fucking champ and he still won. Do I think that he's still with the firm? Absolutely. It's MJF. I don't I don't see that man turning face for a long time because they've they've played this cat and mouse game with him so many times that it, it works every time. It's foolproof because every time everyone's like, Well, is this it? Is he finally turning face? Nope. No, he's not. So yeah. I still think he's behind him, but you could also go the other way too. I do think there's is gonna come a day where MJF goes full blown babyface. Like and, and if it doesn't work, you can always turn him back. It's not I feel like the type of he can if he's a baby face, he has to be similar to a CM Punk type baby face yeah, in I'm 2011. Not he, has to be, he doesn't have to be like a fucking say hangman page or yeah, yeah. Like he Brian still Dick. comes out and he fucking insults people, baby face or heel. Right. He's like he's he's your he's a tweener, but he leans more on the baby face side. Right. That that's kind of how I'm looking at it. So, I mean, you can do that either way. There is going to be a date comes. It could come soon. I like. I, I just think that they've put themselves in a position where we can, if they book it right, no matter what way they go, they can do it in a way that the fans are going to be happy. Right. So I, I'm excited for that. But then on the other side, we had the MJF promo. And MJF's promos are always good. But I think this sit-down promo that he did behind the camera was his best one yet. It's because, dude, he showed so much fucking emotion. He talked about... How, you know, there's these once in a generational talent people. He, he talked about Mox's upbringing. He's like, you were never meant to be a professional wrestler. He said, you were born with two left feet. He said, you you didn't have the training that some people did. And he's not, he's not saying stuff that Mox hasn't said himself already. So it's not like he's being insulting at this point. And he said, but however, he goes, I do respect you because you took that, you built yourself up and you are the best damn professional wrestler on the planet which is the coolest thing ever for him to actually give a compliment and not immediately turn it around like he does with every other compliment he gives everybody, Lee included. He called him a fat ass once. Yep. He uh, has chicken grease on my fucking fingers. Wow, what a fucking dick. <laughs> but no, he actually hit him with a compliment, and then he's like, but here's the thing. I'm taking that mantle from you at full year, which is what any other babyface going after a babyface should say too. So he still plays that he could be going into this babyface. And then he goes... The coolest part was is I don't know why, but I get a cheap pop every time John Cena's name is mentioned on AEW because John Cena is such a diehard WWE guy that you know he's never going to any other company to just hear his name on other companies. It's cool for me. So he I talks- think they also did that because John Cena's dad was in the front row at Dynamite. Yeah, well, that and MJF and John Cena are like friends outside of the company too, or like outside of both companies. They I've I've read enough too where they're both friends outside of the company. Cena's posted pictures of MJF on his fucking Instagram, and MJF has talked about conversations that he's had with John Cena. The two of them are the two of them are actually friends. So, and I know he has a very big, he has a very great respect for John Cena in real life. And so it was really cool hearing him all, he was, you know, mentioning the generational talents, and he brought up 
all the WWE guys. He, you know, he brought up Bruno San Martino, Dusty Rhodes, uh, Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Stone Cold, The Rock, and John Cena. Did not bring up Roman Reigns, <laughs> even, even though he he is he is the one. He, yeah, no, there's no arguing at this point. He is this generation's generation talent. Him and Seth Rollins, in my opinion. Another thing that MJF brought up, every big accomplishment that he's had in AEW so far has been overshadowed by something else. And he's he's 100% not wrong. Right. Like his, up- his first pay-per-view match being overshadowed by Cody's awful neck tattoo. Yep. Uh, talking about Chris Jericho taking his shine for almost over a year. That's talking after. about... Blood and guts. Yeah. Fucking war games is what it is. Yep. Fuck off. Um. Well, the cool thing about their blood and guts match is it's a war games cage, but it's taller. So it gives you a, it's like, instead of WWE's version where it seems like it's more so just a, a like a war games meets, uh, meets steel cage with a cover over it. Cause it's shorter to the ground. I love that the blood and guts match. The, the, the cage is like the size of a hell in a cell. Right. Um, I- he also brought up All Out. Him returning was overshadowed by the entire media scrum situation. That's the first time the press conference itself has been mentioned on AEW television since it happened. By the way, let's not forget that. They, they didn't like say exactly what happened, but obviously... But everybody fucking knows. No. Yeah, we know. And that's the first time that he's been allowed to acknowledge that it's been acknowledged on TV. And you know that Tony Khan had to approve it because it was a pre-taped segment. Well, and they have the elite vignettes airing on tv now so it's kind yeah, of yeah so they're about to work it into storyline right which is what we said that they should have done all the time but an incredible promo for mjf um this is probably the best booked match they've had in aw all year i i stand by what i said before when i said that this should have been the main event of all out i know they did it with the two of them a couple of years ago but this this match made the most sense it, it, it had to have been either mjf should have been in it whether it was versus Mox, Punk, or both. They could have even done a triple threat and they could have booked it perfectly. But one of those main event spots at All Out belonged to MJF this year. And I don't blame him now for basically trying to take full year and making it just as big as the All Out pay-per-view. Yeah, and I'm going to be there in the Prudential Center. And Oh, wow, shocker. Yeah, hey, go fuck yourself, by the way. Um, no, I'm excited to be a part of that crowd. It's It's going to be fucking electric. I, I feel it. Yeah, and I think MJF walks away with the gold easily with this one. But people that did not walk away with the gold within the last week, we had the Saudi Arabia pay-per-view last weekend. We had the universal title match between Roman Reigns, the head of the table, and YouTube sensation, Logan Paul. Justin, I know you weren't, again, a fan of this match at going in because, obviously, you don't like Logan Paul. Um but I had said last week going in that regardless, this was going to be the best match on the card, in my opinion. And on, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on the record and say it right now. I don't only think this was the best match on the card. I think this was the best wrestling match in any company all year. Uh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go that far, but I would. There, there was a banger of a match. Logan Paul put on a performance that people that have been in the company for years aren't able to do. He was able, uh, him and Roman Reigns together were be able to create a beautiful piece of work and actually made it seem like at points that Logan could win. And it didn't seem like they were just overselling to a celebrity. Like he was putting in the work as well. Logan was doing shit. Uh, you know, Logan did a better freaking uh, buckshot lariat than CM Punk did. 
Well, yeah, you know what? If you fucking... It makes sense, because he, he learned that move from Hangman Page. You do realize that, right? Shut up. We're not talking no, he, about that. He, yeah, he, he learned it in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Let me guess. If you go to YouTube, you can just uh, search uh, Hangman Logan Paul. Japan. Yeah, yeah. Hangman Logan Paul Japan. Yes. Yeah. Don't... Everyone, if you're listening to this, when you're done... When you're done listening to the show, please do that because you'll you'll see the entire training regimen with Hangman Page and Logan Paul. Please don't do that. Please don't listen to him. It's not a good thing. You're not going to have a good time. Uh, no, but he did the match. He did that move better than CM Punk did for crying out loud. Logan Paul is without a doubt the greatest already. He's had three matches and he's the greatest celebrity wrestler from an in ring um, an in ring technique standpoint. He's the best celebrity wrestler I think I've seen ever. Look, I still stand on my stand by my grounds. I don't like Logan Paul. No, nobody does. Look, he he has my respect. I'll I'll give him that. Well, and the thing I'll give with the Logan Paul thing too. I was just talking to Gab about this before we came on the show because we were talking about that fucking fight that's going to happen between Jake Paul and Andrew Tate, which you know I hate the Paul brothers, but God, I hope Jake Paul knocks Andrew Tate's teeth out. Uh, I I don't want Jake Paul to get knocked out by anyone, to be honest. I do too, but Andrew Tate is such a male chauvinistic, disgusting ass pig that I can't wait for. Jake's gonna knock him out. We all know he's going to. Oh well, so so you hate Andrew Tate? Yeah. Okay, well he's apparently he's doing his job then, so I hope he wins. He's not in professional wrestling, dickhead. Okay, well still. And I never said I hoped Logan Paul won when I was talking. No, about but it. you said but you said Jinder Mahal. You liked his title reign, so fuck you. Jinder Mahal's not Andrew Tate. Don't even compare the two of them. That's disrespectful to Jinder. Not even from like a... No, 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 no. Not even from like a standpoint of what they did for Jinder's character, but like Jinder the human, that is a that is disrespectful. Look, I'll, I'll do whatever I want. I don't care. That's fair, but I don't know. I just can't shake the feeling. Logan, Logan Paul's earned my respect when it comes to the, what he's done in the pro wrestling ring. He's, he's good. And Dave Meltzer, for what it's worth, even said... Who who have you ever seen that's had their third match in a company and be this good? Not even Kurt Angle, right? So I mean, I don't I don't know where this boy got these athletics from. I don't know where he got this skill from. I, I mean, obviously, a decent amount of it has to do with the fact that he's been training with Shawn Michaels and Shane Helms, right? But talk about the uh, the outcome of this match for Logan Paul, unfortunately. Yeah, so Logan Paul came close a couple times. Um, but he did not end up winning the match. That was the only thing I really wasn't a big fan of was the finish. I felt it was a little overbooked, but going into Saudi Arabia, I kind of had a feeling that it was going to be overbooked the moment Jake Paul showed up at the press conference before. And I I knew he was going to get involved in the match somehow. I don't think we really needed to include the rest of the YouTube staff um, that, or the podcast staff that works with Logan on uh, impossible. You knew that was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you knew it was going to happen, that they were going to get the hell beaten out of him at some point. But also the fact that you can tell that WWE management clearly told Jake Paul not to throw actual shots. Oh, yeah. Because he was throwing forearms. I'm sorry. The Usos are tough. Roman stuff. If Jake Paul had thrown actual shots at them, he would have knocked them the fuck out. Well, I'm glad they had sense and like didn't have him fucking knock out Solo Sokoa. Yeah, that would have been bad. That would have been real bad for his character. Right. He would have never been able to live that down. Street fighter gets fucking knocked out. A street champion he calls champion he calls himself. Yeah. So they they made it look like Logan Paul actually had a chance of winning, and then 
I do like that the very, very end of the match wasn't a screwy finish. Like, nobody distracted Logan Paul. Logan Paul got up. Roman had a hell of a fucking spear. Speared him in half, almost. It seemed like the similar to the way that Goldberg speared Christian that one time. And and Logan did not win the match. Roman Reigns is still the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. And with that, it's also been reported by Logan and by Dirt Sheets and everybody else that he suffered a few injuries during the match. Uh, it seems like he tore his MCL, his ACL, and they said they haven't confirmed yet, but that there was a possible tear in his meniscus. So I heard it like meniscus and MCL were torn. It was the ACL they were unsure of. Anyway, three of them are, three of those parts of his body are are hurt. Right. One of them maybe not completely torn. If it, if, it, if it was just the meniscus, that would be fine because that's like a six-week recovery after tr- surgery, maybe not even that. Yeah, and you could still even maybe do very minimal things in the ring if you're not taking too much of a bump. Right. But MCL, you know, that that's going to be a bit. And then ACL, it's just going to get worse from there. And it sucks, too, because he just put out the performance of his career. I mean, granted, I know he's part-time, so he wouldn't have been in, in an immediate match on Raw or anything, but... Yeah, I think so, I think looking oh, at both of those injuries that could possibly take him out of WrestleMania. Yeah, I would imagine no Rumble, no Mania, and I I think he has a or he had a boxing match scheduled for January, so that's going to take him out of that too. Yeah, that's out the window. So I I'm going to say at this point we don't see Logan Paul return until probably SummerSlam of next year. But you know, if they want to, because WrestleMania is in LA next year, I'm sure they had plans for him. They could make Logan Paul the host of the show if they wanted to, or. Yeah, Jake Paul win both the tag titles on his own, and they hold them until uh, he's a clear to wrestle again. How about I just go fucking sell my WrestleMania tickets right now? Are you selling them discount? I'll buy them. <laughs> if you want fucking Jake Paul booked on the show, hell yeah, hell yeah, dude, that sucks too because it it seemed like they had they had a perfect opportunity, even if they didn't win, of booking the Paul brothers versus the Usos at, at least like the Royal Rumble. Well, you know what would what the War Games match would have been coming out of this, right? It would have been the Bloodline versus, you know, Jake and Logan, Mr. Beast, KSI. Uh, fuck, who's another YouTuber? You know what? No, no, no. You know what pisses me off about that is fucking, I tweeted out from the Perched on the Top Rope page before anybody else. During that match, I was watching the match live, and I literally watched Roman Reigns call out KSI and Mr. Beast on on pay-per-view. I put that shit out before anybody. Mr. Beast didn't fucking respond to my tweet, but he responded to WWE's because he's a simp. Well, Mr. Beast also probably gets thousands of tweets a day, so you can't pay, really- can pay attention. Well, yeah, I guess if, if you're hearing that you were mentioned on a WWE pay-per-view and you go to Twitter, you're probably going to go to WWE's page first. Right. Still bullshit. I put that shit out first. That was kind of cool. That was funny when he called out Mr. Beast and KSI. Although I don't know that KSI is kind of the guy you want to start a fight with, but <laughs> whatever. Head of the table. Do whatever you want. But speaking of the bloodline, the last thing we're going to talk about tonight is the Usos are very, very closely closing in on the longest tag title reign in WWE history, they are counting the days, of course, that they have held the SmackDown Tag Team Championships as they obviously won the Raw Tag Team titles earlier on. They're defending the SmackDown Tag Team titles tonight on SmackDown versus the New Day, who currently hold the record for the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE history when they held the Raw Tag Team Championships for, what was it, four 
hundred and do you know the exact number? Uh, not off the top of my head. I believe I know it's longer than Punk's reign as champion. A... So it was longer than four thirty four. So the new day is four eighty three. I believe today marks the Usos four seventy seventh day, four hundred seventy seven. So by next week they'll have already broken the record. Well, they. I'm trying to do math. So four seventy seven. Well, I mean, they could still, they could still lose the titles on Raw theoretically. I, I mean, yeah, but th- this is going to be the what what you know determines it. Yeah, unless they throw a surprise at a Monday night and then they lose them on Monday. Could you imagine if they got pissed? Could you imagine if they got mere days away, just literal days, and they lost the titles? See, I I wouldn't be pissed because here's my thing: the Usos already have their own thing. They're going to be, they're going to be regardless of whether or not they lose the tag team titles. They're going to be the longest reigning SmackDown tag team champions of all time because the oh, new okay. day, the new you day was. I I screwed up. It's actually they're at day four eighty one. So if they retain the titles, they're... if they retain the titles tonight on SmackDown, they they pass the record. You know what I what confused me? Michael Cole said uh, at Crown Jewel they were at day four seventy seven. Okay, so yeah, uh, if they went if they if they retain the titles tonight, then they they beat the record. But here's my thing: I think you should have them lose, and I think it should be somehow like maybe Sammy accidentally costing them the match because. Regardless of whether they pass this, this, you know, for whatever it is, they're going to be the longest reigning SmackDown tag team champions in history, regardless. The New Day is the longest reigning Raw tag team champions and champions overall in WWE history. So if you have them lose to the New Day, if the New Day still keeps their record on Raw, the Usos hold the record on SmackDown. And you give respect to both teams, and both of them have fucking earned it, because both of them have carried the tag team division for the last 10 years. Yeah, never forget that fucking Usos New Day feud on SmackDown in 2017. Yeah, I know. You can go back to their feuds as many times as you want, but that that one feud that they had on SmackDown, the one, you know, where they had the rap battle involved too. Oh. I I was actually watching that the other day, believe it or not. Yeah, dude, that was probably my favorite tag team feud probably ever. I mean, the only thing that really tops it is the legendary feuds between the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. I remember being at SummerSlam 2017 and WB for some fucking reason put the Usos in New Day for the titles on the kickoff show. And the whole fucking place was just standing up the whole time. It was the best match between the kickoff and the main show. Yep. It was fucking. Yeah, nobody. I remember that. Nobody could top them. Right. The crowd was not as hyped as they were in that match for the rest of the fucking night. Yeah. Fucking WB fucked up putting them on the kickoff that night. Wasn't that the same year? Wasn't the main event Jinder Mahal and Shinsuke Nakamura? Uh, semi-main event. The main yeah. event was uh, the four-way with Joe, Roman, Braun, and Brock. Oh, yeah. That was the only other match that got close to getting that kind that, of... That pop. was number two. It was close, but that was number two. Yeah. Um, but I, I personally, I wouldn't mind them losing because I would like to see both teams have records. I just... I don't know. I feel like... I feel like the New Day has earned it. I feel like the Usos have earned it. But also, don't the New Day now also have the most tag title reigns in WWE history as well? If they don't already, they have they have to be coming in close on it. I, I mean, feel I feel like they do. Or, or I know it's at least raw. I, I want to check this real quick. Um, do you mind pulling it up real quick? I have it up right now. Hang on. Because I feel like, and I can't remember, I feel 
like they've been holding both records. Okay. Uh, 11 times between the Raw and SmackDown tag. Yeah, so it's it's easily then because I think the next closest was the Hardys. Was it the Hardys? I think it, it's I think it's the Hardys at like seven or eight, isn't it? That, that wouldn't that if it was the Hardys, that would make sense. I was thinking Edge and Christian for some reason, but oh, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure because I'm pretty sure they broke the Hardys record because I think Matt and Jeff. Like if you count everything, it might be the Hardys. Yeah, I think. Well, no, if you're counting just WWE, I think Matt and Jeff are like seven or eight time tag team champions. Right. Because they also held, they added to that when they came back to WWE too, with a couple of tag right, team titles. That's what runs. I'm saying. That, that would make sense. If that yeah. Would. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're at like seven or eight at one point before they came back, the new day did pass their record as well that they previously, I'm pretty sure before that were also holding because with the Dudleys, most of their tag team title reigns have been outside of WWE. Uh, and I actually have the Hardy stuff up right yeah. now. Just double, double check that for me. Because if that's the case, well, then that's the case. I, I'm not, I guess I'm not 100% against the Usos continuing the reign too, because the New Day will still hold the reign for most tag title reigns in WWE. Well, Usos got to be closed in close on that too, to be honest. I think they're... But uh, I do have it on my screen now. So the Hardys between the Raw tag team titles, the SmackDown tag team titles, and then the World tag team titles from the... Uh, late 90s, early 2000s when the Hardys held them. They had those six times. So that's eight. And then if you count the WCW tag team titles that were which, in WWE at the time. Which I would count. That would make it nine. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure the Hardys have the second, yeah, the second most. And um, currently looking at it, the Usos are currently six time tag, no, no, eight time tag team champions. So, I mean, they're not too far away. They're going to be neck and neck, but I think if, if you're if you're planning on keeping that record for the new day with the most tag team title raids, I can I can be okay with the Usos having the longest tag title reign. But if and you what? end up going the other way around, you have the new day win the match tonight, and they end it and stay as the longest reigning. You eventually got to make the Usos the most times, in my opinion. And look, One, the, once both the of those teams should be holding those. That's all I'm saying. Sorry. No, you're good. Well, once once the Usos drop these titles, they're never going to have another run like these this again. I mean, no, it'll be shorter tag title rates, similar to what you know the New Day's had some of those. Right. Well. Even when Roman drops the fucking World and Universal titles, we'll never have a run like that again with the World titles ever. No, and it's going to be probably decades before we see anybody have that title type of reign again. You only see that like once every like ten years. Like about ten years ago, it was John Cena's year, like uh, John Cena and CM Punk's. Uh, reigns as champion and before that oh, fucking I don't even know it was like Hulk Hogan maybe yeah yeah so you're never going to see something like this again yeah not at least for like another fucking 10 years watch it be like Austin Theory 10 years from now well you know what I hope it is I hope for his sake it is you know, hopefully he can end his career on a good note. But at the same time, we are going to take this time to end our show on a good note. But first, we're going to talk about some of our social media, as you know we like to do at the end of every show. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to check us out on social media, check us out at Perched on the Top Rope on our Facebook page. Go to Twitter at Perched, on, at Perched Top Rope to check us out over there. I like to send some 
some tweets out towards famous people that don't like to answer me. It's a great time. We enjoy it. Go check out our TikTok page. You can see sorts of content that Lee and I make between Selena scenes. We do greatest moments and saddest moments of WWE history. I made an entrance video for Lee for Halloween that I put on there. Go check it out. It's really funny. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of things. And Lee's favorite, I can't end a show without saying this. Go check out the goddamn video of Kevin Sullivan getting humped by a dog. You'll make Lee very happy. I promise. Woof, bok, bok. Yes, yes. So uh, you can also check us out on Instagram, Perched on the Top Rope. And you can check out soon, once I get my goddamn graphics card updated, I'll be back with the Twitch channel, Perched on the Top Rope, on Twitch. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts. You can check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, Google, anywhere that you find podcasts. As I've said in the past, if you can't find us on a podcast platform, reach out to us, message us on the Facebook page, and we'll get our podcast added to that page so you can listen to our beautiful voices. And Justin, we trust, over on YouTube, shows his vlogging skills with all of the millions of shows that he has been to. There's like one every like two days. I, I can't even keep count anymore. I think Justin's at more shows than Dave Meltzer is. I'm currently at 94 for my lifetime. That's insane. That's By the insane. end of the year, we'll be at, at least 99. You want to know how many WWE shows I've been to? How many? Four. Oh, bro, get your weight up. I have. I've <laughs> been to. I've been to three editions of Monday Night Raw, and I've been to a house show. I've been to four WWE shows. Yeah, uh, this past week at AEW Dynamite, that was 25 for the year for me. I went back and counted. <laughs> My bank account hurts thinking about that. <laughs> but yeah, go check out Justin's face, uh, YouTube page in Justin We Trust. He's got a lot of cool vlogging content and video editing skills on that site. He's been helping me out a lot with my video editing for the Perched on the Top Row page. He introduced us to some cool software, so we're kind of in the middle of implementing that now. We have a really cool bloopers video that came out on YouTube today. You're going to really like what I did with it. Justin, when you see it, you're going to enjoy the part that you were talking about a specific couch when you guys interviewed Impact Stars, Heath, and Impact Knockouts World Champion Jordan Grace, which you can check out on the YouTube page as well. We've got our interviews and clips with them as well. That being said, Justin, spoiler-free is the way to be. We're out. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.